So I find that when I ask the question, who are you? The most popular response doesn't answer the question, who are you, but, but what do you want to do? So like the average freshman, who are you? They'll normally respond with their major and I don't know, the real, um, I guess the ones with foresight start to talk about like what they want to do with their life. And then if they're really impressive, they'll say what their major is, what they want to do with their life and some personality traits that are going to help them get there. But I don't think that answers the question who we are. And I think we have to, in particular, know this because fundamentally we are sons and we are daughters of a father and a king. Um, I, I wanted to bring up the Baltimore Catechism. Um, the first line of it says that, well, it asks a question. It says, why was man created? And man was created to know, to love, and to serve the Lord. And um, knowledge in, in, in proper order precedes love and service. But <laughs> it, it, it's constant in like essence and like what it means to know, but it varies to degree. And to be honest, like the lowest level of degree is not very high. <laughs> It's like a, just a rudimentary understanding. And so the love and the service are distinct because, yeah, one's an interior disposition of the heart and one is the, um, the place we go because of our interior disposition. Um, this was revealed to me through Psalm 91. So I was on a retreat my first year on staff. And I had two images in particular in my head, one of like a child being held and the other of a man running into battle. And I imagined something like D-Day when I imagined the battle and I imagined something like a, a father holding his youngest child when I imagined the baby. And it was the two images uniting that I think brought the security and the strength that comes from someone who knows who they are and learns where they're going. So in some sense, there's great stability. And this is where Psalm 91 came into it. It says, though a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 fall at your right, you it will never approach. His faithfulness is buckler and shield. And there's an image in Psalm 91 of being under the wing of God. And so only under such closeness as under the wing of God can we experience the inner disposition that is similar to that of a child being held by his father and mother. And it's only by understanding the purpose that God has for our life in light of that security that we can move into battle as in on like a D-Day like experience, right? Like a thousand are falling at your side, 10,000 are falling at your right, but you it will never approach. Like that's God's promise. So it's like literally a thousand people are dying here and 10,000 are, are dying here, but it's not going to touch you. And because of that security, you're moving in confidence. And that was like an image God shared with me to, to say really for the first time with any depth who I was. And I want to share, brothers and sisters, that's, that's who we all are. That we can all walk with the same confidence and we can all rest in the same stability.
And so moving on to the second point, I think another question we can ask by the very nature of me speaking right now is who are we? Um, it might sound a little complicated, so you have to bear with me. But the answer that I had for that was that we are a transformational people who create a conducive environment for people to say yes to an opportunity to live an integrated Catholic life on the campus of Ohio Dominican by living deep relationships. So just breaking that down for a second, we are a transformational people. It's not just one of us that are here. We're all here together. This message isn't shared from from mentor to mentee one-on-one. It's shared with us together. And the point of it is so that we would create a conducive environment, that we would not only be a people, act as a people, live as a people with purpose, for people to say yes to an opportunity to live an integrated Catholic life. We bring them to a point where they have a decision. And we do that at ODU, and we do that by living deep relationships. I think that's, that's the call that Jesus has for us. So there's who am I, and then there's who are we. And I am a son or a daughter who can walk in confidence, who has stability, and who has trust. And we are a people who have a purpose for the campus of Ohio Dominican. Okay, but then if, if we process through the next question, we have to, f- <laughs> what is Formation. Like, why are we here? And I, I, I want to reference the 1992 version of the Catechism that JP2 brought out. And um, there's, there's four parts, fundamentally. Uh, the fourth part's a bit of an addendum, though. It's a bit of, like, it's on prayer, so that's naturally really significant. Um, but the, the first three are the crux of the material. And it's broken down into creed, code, and cult, and I think it's a natural tra- it's a natural trajectory of our life as Christians. So first, we have to we have to choose to live a certain way, and then we come to understand more about how we're supposed to live, and then we find a people to live that with. I think that's significant. First, we decide to live a certain way. Then we understand more about how to live that out. And then we we find people to do it with. And I would say that that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Because if you are a son and a daughter, which I know you are, and you find it to be conducive for you to operate as a people with a purpose, then what formation is meant to do after you've chosen it 
is to help you understand it better and to give you a people to live it with in an integrated way every day. So if you ever wondered what would make someone, what, what you could measure formation with, like what you would need to say to walk away from formation going, that was good, I think it's right there. Do I understand and am I, am I equipped to live my life as a disciple even better? And I just want to put a quick word here that um, while we are a transformational people now, if you understand what it means to be a transformational people and live that out, if I do that with this people, it is not separated but it is fully integrated with what it means to be an ideal Catholic man or woman. So as we're operating as a transformational people right now, as this group, the development is not for the sake of the group, but for the sake of the kingdom and will help us live in an integrated way when we're beyond the College of Ohio Dominican. And when maybe our call even shifts a little bit. But I think right now, and I, 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 yeah, I really think that this can be said, is that if you're a Catholic at Ohio Dominican and you wish to live an integrated Catholic life, that this is a really conducive environment for you to understand what it means to be a Christian man or woman and live that out. Okay, so, so where have we been? So we, we are sons and daughters. We've been given this gift. We've been given this transformational people. And the point of this gathering, this teaching right now, is to help us understand it and equip us to live it. Okay. And so where have we been? Well, I think actually God's been fathering us as a formation community. Uh, last spring, right, we like gave our best shot at, at, at what it means to be a transformational people. And so we went through worship and sacrifice. We talked about being renewed in the Holy Spirit. It was right before fan into flame. We talked about what it means to worship magnanimously and what it means to lay down our lives for others. We talked about mission at the point of conflict. We talked about how we serve on the front lines. Our job is not to be at battalion headquarters strategizing the next like big move. Our job is to be on the front lines engaging the individual every single day. And then we talked about how we don't do that individually, but we do that as a body. We do that together. And we ended by saying that it's not just a one-off yes that we give to the Lord, but it's an integrated and full yes that we give that brings joy and fruit to our lives. Okay, so that was like the best explanation that we had, that we have, I think, at who is this people? Who is this people right now? And we really tried to get like gritty with it. We really tried to get in the, in the everyday, right? We tried to explain it as specifically as possible. And so in the fall, 
what we tried to hit on was, was what's going to be productive for, we, for us to live that well. And I, and I think, if I'm honest, what we were trying to do, we were trying to mitigate any friction that might exist in that Christian life. So it's like we have, we have things that like shoot us forward. That's like the gas, right? But then there's also like a break. And so we can have vision and we can have ownership to like do something great. But if we are like all gas and all break at the same time, we don't know how to like manage our time and we don't know how to use media properly and we aren't reflecting at night and we aren't like managing our finances, then we're going to be on the gas and on the break burning rubber. And so last semester was, was a time for us to get a little practical and to, to try and get as far off the break as possible. To really just let that gas go. To like let the Holy Spirit propel our, our spiritual lives forward. And so, I think that leaves us where we are. So we're going to go back on the gas. <laughs> we're going to go back on the gas. And I'm going to take my scriptures out. So I want to go through the emotions with us. And that will be our lens for the semester. So if you imagine uh, spring of 19, we looked at our charisms. And we're going to do that again. But we're not going to do it in the same way that we did it then because that was then. And this is now. And now what we're going to do is we're going to look at our charisms through the lens of emotions. And we're going to try and be emotionally intelligent about the way that we go about understanding and, and living out our way of life. The way that we, we want to be a people together. The way we want to live out our sonship or our daughtership. And so if you want to look, um, the Catechism has 13 pretty specific and pretty simple paragraphs on the emotions. The language gets a little... Um, unique at times, but overall it, it's like when you understand what each word means, it's like rather simple sentence structure to follow. And so um, <laughs> this was a little hard to process through, but it's going to be, so first I want to make a bridge and then I want to bridge the bridge to the, to the other side, <laughs> right? So there's going to be a bridge on a bridge, if you will, or a bridge connected to a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> So if that's not matrix-like, I don't know what is. So here's the, here's the first bridge. You only got to imagine one bridge for now. It says that the emotions form a passageway, a bridge, and ensure the connection between the life of the senses and the life of the mind. In the 18th century, that was like a really... Um, it, was a, it was a thought that a lot of people were thinking about. What was the connection between the senses and the mind? And so the church would say that the connection point between what we sense, what we experience, and what we think about is the emotions. And so the human act, right? This is like trippy. Okay, we'll, we'll just get through it. So the human act is, to is saying that love is to will the good of another. And passions are evil if love is evil and good if love is good. 
So you could say that passions are neutral, but it's probably more so is that they take on the, the, the entity of, of, of the thing that they're carrying. They're being carried by. Um, and so, so that seems pretty good, right? And I think that was like a normal understanding that I had of emotions is that if I have a emotion of anger and it's ordered, then it's good. And if I have the emotion of anger and it's disordered, then it's bad. But the emotion itself is neither good nor bad. It's neutral. And my sister was, I called my sister this morning. So she's um, a theology major and a psych minor. And she is a, um, I guess not everyone would know, like a numerary for Opus Dei, which is uh, basically she's like a consecrated single woman. She would kill me if I said that because it's a lot more complicated than that. But um, she lives a single life. And she go, uh, undergoes teachings on like similar subjects, but she's also a psych minor. So I was trying to process. She said it's like a personality trait. So like I am, well, let's say this. Sarah is agreeable. Agreeable can be good. Agreeable can be bad. It, it takes on the nature of the situation, right? You can use being agreeable to be good. You can use being agreeable to be bad, but it's neutral in and of itself. And so here's the connection. And I think this might come back to what's at stake, which is where I end. The human person is ordered to beatitude, to goodness. It's ordered to like perfection, being complete by his or her. So sexist, the cat again. By <laughs> deliberate acts. The passions or feelings he experiences can dispose him to it or contribute to it. And so in my mind, this is like the second bridge. So the first bridge is the life of the senses and the life of the mind, but the connection to the life of the senses and the life of the mind is that our emotions can make us want to do the good more often or can make us want to do the bad more often. And this is where I want to bring you to junior year, second semester. I was taking an independent study on ethics and there was a true false question. And the question was, virtue is doing the good. And I put, True. false. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Virtue is not doing the good. I guess it's not just doing the good. Virtue is the habitual grace that inclines us to do the good. And that would be the truth. And I was mad at Dr. Rice for doing that. But he taught me that. And quid quid recipitor secunda modum est recipiens recipitor. Those are the two things I learned from that class. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, the, yeah, no, it was false originally, but then the truth was what I, I was kind of saying. Yeah, is that it's the natural, it's the, the, it's the habitual grace that disposes us to do the good. That disposes, geez. Is the, yeah, that, that makes us want to do the good. That inclines us to do the good. Okay, so do you see how that's like a second bridge? Okay, I hope everyone, I think everyone's tracking. Okay, so then I want to go, I think that's going to be really important at the end, by the way. So then I want to go to Aquinas. He has, um, I think he's probably like 75, 200 pages in his um, 
second part. It's, it's the first part of the second part of his collected works on the faith. And he sees two perspectives that he lays out throughout the pages. So he says that emotions can be our master or we can see feelings as our enemy. And so that's where I want to paint a little bit of a spectrum. And for us to take a couple minutes maybe, and maybe this is at the end, to see and identify where we are on the spectrum. So if formation is to help us understand the way we live our life and to live it out, this is hopefully going to be in the understanding realm. So emotions as master. Um, They call this like the driftwood approach. It means that our emotional reactions control and determine our behavior. So whatever I'm feeling at any particular moment, I act out. Typically, creative people tend to have, well, anyway, that's more personalized. Um, So this is who you would associate with a slightly unstable person. You just never know what's going to happen. They're like a rocket. (laughs) And they could go off in either direction. Um, Like a firework, if you will. Um, And uh, some, yeah, geez. It could be seen that, like, that's bad, right? And that's where, where we started was important because the, the passions are neutral. And so to feel a lot is not bad. Okay, so then there's feelings as enemies. And that's more like a, Aquinas calls it a, a voluntarianism. It means that like you think, well, doesn't mean, you, means that you are doing the good and that you're going to do the good at whatever it costs. Plain and simple. And I don't know about you. So I love that second mindset. And I have a lot of trouble with the first. But actually, if you were on the first extreme or the second extreme, you're not tapping into the fullness of the church. And so um, I wrote a list of Psalms down. But I think this is probably the, the one thing that I would have us take from the night. And so we can go to Psalm 54 if we want. We certainly don't have to. But all these Psalms, I think, play out the appropriate role that emotions can play in our life. So Psalm 54 is a prayer for vindication. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For insolent men have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before them. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will repay my enemies with evil. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a freewill offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord. For it is good for you have delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. That is one experience, brothers and sisters. So, second stanza. For insolent men have risen against me and ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before them. That's his reality. That's what he's experiencing. And this is his response. For you have delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. He has not triumphed over his enemies yet in like his feelings, if you will, right? Like that, that hasn't happened yet. He hasn't experienced that happen yet. 
but he knows it will happen. And why does he know it will happen? He knows that God is his helper. The Lord is the upholder of his life. He will repay my enemies with evil and in his faithfulness, he puts an end to them. So all of that is one experience. And so, yeah. And so if we're seeing emotions as master, right? Then what would be the difficulty? The sentence, for you have delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. But actually on the other side, when we see our feelings as enemies, we just say with a free willing offering, I will sacrifice to you. And that's not the fullness. That's not the fullness of the passage and that's not the fullness of the life that God has for us. And I think we're going to get into that. And so um, I won't read through every, because I'm getting here. Um, I won't read through all the gospel passages, but Jesus experiences both upward trending emotions, emotions that would make him feel better, and then emotions that would make him feel worse, both downward trending and upward trending. So he would experience peace because he knows that God's with him, that the Father has his back, that they're moving in a direction with purpose and unity, and he would experience joy as like almost like the fruit of that, of like, I mean, like, this is happening. God, like, I want to rejoice with you. Um, and then he would experience, uh, this is way too simple a way. I wish we could dive in. But um, he would experience like a downward treading, like um, a good example would be the agony in the garden. Where like blood is, is being sweat from his brow. It's like, damn, that's a lot of anxiety. But it's like, oh, I experienced this. You are God. You have the plan. Is this your plan? I will do it. Praise be the name of the Lord. And so the emotions are felt. And I think that's, but they're felt in light of our reality, which is as sons and daughters of a king that is both good and competent, that can and will provide for us. And so that's where we're going this semester. If we had to paint it in like one picture is we're going to look at our emotions and we're going to look at our situations and we're going to claim the truth that God has created us as sons and daughters and that as sons and daughters, he has a purpose and a good plan that he is able to follow through on moving forward. And so the way we'll do that is, is by breaking down our charisms, right? So like spring 19, spring 20, we're going to look at like our charism of wholehearted worship and renewal in the Holy Spirit, how that plays out in the dimension of holiness in our life, our interior life. We'll look at it through the lens of formation to Christian maturity, principally like how we relate to each other in a community. We'll look at it um, as brothers and sisters, both like how men can relate to other men and how men and women can relate together and, and women can relate to women in, in that respect. And then we'll end by saying... Um, well, we'll be looking at emotions through the lens of, of God bringing us forward in purpose and unity and what that might mean. And so I just want to lay that out as our trajectory for this semester. But I want to bring us back and like paint in a vivid picture for what's at stake. If we embrace this semester and all that it has for us, what we can be on a trajectory for is that we only desire to do the good. 
And this way I want to use Adam as an example. So Adam's at a point, I think, maybe I haven't confirmed I think I've confirmed this with you. If I put a piece of chocolate cake in front of you, would you eat it naturally? Probably not. Do you desire chocolate cake? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> now, would you eat chocolate cake like every day? No. Why not? Because it would destroy me. Yes, it would destroy. <laughs> and if I could take the jump now, I think he would say it destroys him because it's not conducive to his body operating at like a full function. That's accurate. Is that, yeah, okay. So that's like kind of how we can like master our emotions is that as we develop from this point forward and as we like experience the emotion as they they are we can like proclaim truth into the situation the reality and then god transforms that and makes it so that as we continue in the christian life we begin to desire the good more than we begin to desire the bad and and thomas would call that like an ordered heart and so I think that's what we're going after this semester is an ordered heart. That like when we see food and desire it or don't desire it, we can proclaim truth over the situation and say, I only desire that which is going to make me live a fully like operating Christian life. Or I mean like Christian life and life, they're the same thing. So Whatever that is, right? And we're going to look at it through a ton of different um, areas, but we're going to keep the same lens. And that's what's at stake, is that every decision you make, God can transform your heart so that you desire the good and only the good. And that you're able to do that day in and day out all of your life for the rest of your life.